The Incomparable Podcast, number 44, June 2011. We're back on The Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell. Even if you're not a regular visitor to your local comic book store, you may find this episode of The Incomparable interesting. Don't turn away. Please don't. Wait. Stop. Uh, joining me today are Lisa Schmeiser. Hi, Lisa. Hi there. And Jason Brightman. Hey, everyone. And a very special guest joining the comic book club today um, from the from uh, the greater New England area, my good friend, Andy Anatko. Hi, Andy. Hello, Jason. Hello, Lisa. And hello, Jason, again. Yes. But which... Which one was first in your heart, and which one? Oh, was... you caught me in your dirty little game of cat and mouse. Already, I'm regretting this, but I've already made a commitment. <laughs> I already, I was once in a meeting where Jason Brightman was referred to as the good Jason, and I was sitting there going, <laughs> it, that's, oh, "That's true, though." Okay, although I, it is. I, yeah, I need to grow a little goatee, and then I can be the, the... evil Jason. <laughs> Uh, or I can just be that now. So so our topic today is based on something that happened um, a couple of weeks ago. I was actually on a business trip when I saw in on the front of USA Today in the hotel room as I was as I was preparing to go out to to uh, to my business engagement um, that apparently the the good people, the new creative team at DC Comics has decided to take this incredibly bold, interesting step. Um, and I'm not referring to renumbering all their comics as number one because, boy, that happens all the time. But essentially rebooting the DC universe and saying we're going to get rid of all this old continuity. We're going to rethink our characters. We're going to do sort of what Marvel did for the Ultimate Universe. But rather than hedging and saying, well, we'll do both. We'll do new Coke and old Coke. They've just said we're rebooting. We're doing it all Anew, and I think you guys all have a good experience. I've, I've never been; I've always been on the margins as a as a reader of DC Comics. I've read some stuff, but um, I'm actually intrigued by it because I don't have a lot invested in it, and I think that maybe um, re- reimagining it would get me more interested. But I'm really interested in what you guys think about um, this move and whether you think it's a good idea or not, um, you know, or or if it's just a ridiculous publicity stunt like changing. You know, it's now number one again, which they do every year or two. And then they just change it back when it's an anniversary, right? Well, it could be a good idea and a bizarre publicity stunt. (laughs) Yes. I realize It's clearly a publicity stunt. Why can't it be both, right? Because every time that Marvel's had, like, those DCU successes, it's always been, you know, it's it's, it's never been about let's get people to buy this issue of Captain America. It's let's see if we can get the New York Times to report on how, how we're doing this bold thing about killing Captain America off and how we're doing this bold thing about killing off one of the members of the Fantastic Four. And holy cats, we're actually having having Spider-Man unmasked. Uh, it's they, they score the win by how much mainstream publicity they get. And it almost doesn't it's, it's they're cynical enough that it doesn't even matter to them that you know what when they tried to get that information about spider-man's unmasking they already had the plan in place for and the and the issue in mind in which they would undo all of that <laughs> so that's that's i mean that's part of the, the hype machine is just part of the grand tradition of comics we'd almost be disappointed do, do write-ups in usa today really drive comic book sales though well that- if, you, if, you're, if you're trying if you're trying to revive one dying print medium what better tool than to use another dying print medium <laughs> it's like rubbing two sticks well, together to start a fire it's also no i don't think a, an article in anywhere affects sales for something that's not coming out for three months right that's a long time it's a real long time in our 24-hour media cycle the uh it is a, a publicity stunt, but there's there's some historical precedent, particularly at DC with this kind of thing. Um, 
they're you know most famous for taking their gold key characters or not gold key gold golden age characters of Flash and Green Lantern, and then one day coming out with a new Flash and Green Lantern that had nothing to do with the old ones, and that's then the sil- that's the beginning of the Silver Age, which was what the sixties, the Silver Age, yeah, about what, the sixties, mid sixties, and that's when Hal Jordan came out as the Green Lantern and. Um, the Flash with the guy a, in red. He big, he'd, be a, he'd be in the clo- he'd been in the closet for yeah. a long. He time. He told his parents, "I exactly. have a ring." But just recently, <laughs> though, uh, like a year ago, they came out with the Earth One series of graphic uh, novels. Uh, with the, oh, the, uh, the, that's the Joe Straczynski Superman yeah, exactly um, novel, right? Which was on the New York Times bestselling list for a long time, or the New York Times best graphic bestselling graphic novel. It still is list, yeah. And I happened to read that last week. It it wasn't bad. And no, I was just sort bad. of like, okay, forget everything you know. Now Superman is this younger kid coming out now as Superman. And right. It's I all the same. The but, Mom and Dad. Right. Yeah. All the same, but slightly different. Uh, and that sold so well that they're like, oh, let's just do it for everything. Mm-hmm. And when you're a new creative team uh, coming in at the executive level, why not just reinvent a universe that's like 100 years old? Well, I do wonder if DC and Marvel both have problems with being crippled by literally decade upon decade of continuity and con- and and and, retcon- and retconning and and these convoluted storylines where if someone were to sit down with you and say, "Oh, you really like comics? Who's your favorite character?" You're like, "Well, I really like Black Canary." Oh, what she's about, and then you have to explain. All right, <laughs> here's the deal: her mom was Black Canary. And she grew up around the Justice Society, and then there was some weird intraplanetary thing where she was from another dimension for a while, and then she lost her voice, but then she got dipped in the resurrection pits, and she's been on and off with the Green Arrow for 40-odd years, and they got married, except that he was a clone. and and <laughs> hated Boy. when that happened. And yeah. the, the, my, my point is, is if you're trying to explain these characters to somebody, uh, they're just going to look at you like, okay, so there's no... no there's no accessible entry point, and I think sometimes continuity, while it rewards long-time, long-time readers or obsessive readers who have no problem going back to find all the back issues so that they can get all the little in-jokes or all the little plot developments, it makes it tremendously inaccessible to younger, reader, to younger readers or new readers. And so by hitting the reset button, it is a great opportunity for them to try to broaden their audience. The question is whether or not they're going to be able to do that. Whether well, they've been, whether they're going to be able to tap into the psyches of moviegoers who are going to watch Ryan Reynolds run around shirtless this summer or, <laughs> or anything like that, and say, oh, this, you know, I, I really enjoyed this two-hour movie. Maybe I could, maybe I'll also enjoy downloading these Green Lantern comics onto my iPad. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I think I think this this is a move that is, it, it's it's like DC is scoring a Tetris where they make one move that clears away at least four or five levels. It's it's no it's no. Uh, coincidence that they're choosing this time to do day and date releases uh, digitally with their entire you know, DC bullet line. Uh, and they real, I think they realize that the audience of people who have not been buying comics and they're young enough that they aren't really trained to go to a newsstand and buy something on paper, they're going to be a whole bunch of new readers. Mm-hmm. They're coming in for – they're going to be buying digitally. So why not simply say, oh, and by the way, you're not going to have to deal with – well, I'll, 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 I'll match your, I'll match your uh, Black Canary with my Power Girl where – oh, well, uh, she oh, was – Oh, they had that was, reboot a couple of years ago. She was first Supergirl, Superman's cousin who, who, who also escaped, but then – then like she turned out that she, she was, was from Earth of, Two or whatever, and they did. Then she was with Earth Two, and she was the daughter of Superman. <laughs> and and like, then, then they, they they tried to do a reboot, with like a five issue miniseries, I think about six or seven years ago, and. Yeah. 
by the end of that, I was even more confused about where she was from than <laughs> yeah, when she started. And I thought, it, wow, I've just been punished for trying to pay attention to this character. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't do it. This is just – Meanwhile, her cleavage gets bigger and bigger Well, see, and this bigger. is the thing is the joke is in the reboot she's going to be flat-chested. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know how different this is. Yes. yes. And they're going to so, close up the whole so, uniform. So there's this whole story about how this is a gamble by DC. And, and my question is – is it a gamble? Because because the argument is um, they're doing this for new readers and they're going day and date with digital for new readers and they're risking the wrath of the old readers in order to reach new readers. To which I say, first, are they really risking the wrath of the old readers? And second, are they really going to find new readers? Are there new comic book readers who will be found by this approach? I think the price is a barrier to the day, to the digital day and date. They're like three three ninety five, aren't they? Or, uh, well, two ninety nine. It's same as cover price on the on the uh, on, on the physical issues. That's my objection. Is it's the same thing as cover price for the physical issues? Right now, if I wanted to, I could take all of my physical issues and go to my nearest comic book store and trade them in for store credit. Um, you know, it's a physical good I can I can pass on to people, and more importantly, I can get back a fraction of the value and. Use Use it to feed my habit, and you can't really do that with digital assets. So, from the perspective of me as a cranky consumer, while I think that digital issues are more convenient and they're actually really good for archiving and library purposes, if I decide, okay, you know what, I'm really bored with this series, I'm done with it. There's no way for me to recoup a fraction of my investment in it, and so yeah. I'm, I'm a little hesitant to pull the trigger on it. I think that digital issues have to be cheaper simply because you can't ever get back resale value. I think I, I think they have to mollify the the retailers though. They have to make sure they're not saying that we're, our goal here is not specifically to torpedo your sales. Our goal is to make sure that we're expanding the market and making sure that we're bringing more people under the tent on a, on a rolling basis. Right. Got to keep those buggy makers happy. Yeah, you know, but, essentially. But they're, but they're, but they're also realize, realize they're not just like regular retailers. Really, all successful comic book shops are – they're kind of like Apple stores in that they don't just sell the product. They're also a meeting place. They're, they're like a, uh, sort of a, a drawing spot for people who are sort of inside this hobby. And that's the reason why you know, when I moved to another f- 40 miles away from my usual comic shop a few years ago, I do have a local shop in my new place that I sometimes go to. But I'd much rather just simply drive 40, 40 miles a couple times a month to go back to the original one because I like this shop. Not everyone has that. Andy, your qualifier was good comic shop because uh, I right. was I was thinking about in, in my small island town, as it were, we do have a local comic shop and we have a local game shop. And the thing I've noticed about the gaming store is they host in they host in-store tournaments and they, they host uh, both board games and video games and they have events that are around product releases and they've really made an effort to turn themselves into a community hub where people think of it as a de facto socializing spot as well. Our comic book store has been considerably less aggressive about doing that. Um, I think maybe twice in the past five or six years she's tried to organize a movie night for the premiere of a comic-based themed movie. But it hasn't made the same effort to try to tie people's avid interest in the product to a, a social aspect or to a wider entertainment lifestyle, whereas good stores sh- can and should do that. And my, my take is let the stores rise and fall based on what they can provide people above and beyond comic books. Yeah. If, if, if a shop is just selling comics and if they're going to be affected by the digital changeover that dramatically, then they really were going to be going out of business soon anyway. Exactly. Right. I'm not sure any – I'm not sure a good comic store is going to be – 
um, is going to go out of business because you can get it online for one ninety nine, but you can get it physically for two ninety nine. Either the, though, so the, the well, the other factor is that uh, DC, unlike Marvel, uh, actually gives real royalties to their creators. Marvel simply says that well, we'll give you we'll, we'll we'll give you incentives, but remember that we have no legal. Our contract says we don't have to do that. We're just being great people by giving you what every other publisher ever does. DC actually does give real royalties, and so one thing I would like to know is that how much are those. To, are those royalties tied to specific cover prices? So it's po- it's possible that to keep all of these top tier writers, and remember they're carrying over all of their best writers from the old DC universe to the new ones, uh, how happy they would be by saying, oh, and by the way, we're also going to be giving people the option of buying these same comics that you're trying to get a, th- a three ninety nine royalty off of for ninety nine cents. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a complicated issue. I, I do wish that I, I do think that it's logical that the digital sh- copy should be less expensive. I think that's going to be where it winds up. But I'm happy that we just have this first step of being able to th- know that if there's a new copy of Justice League that's coming out on Wednesday, I can go to Comixology on Wednesday and buy that comic. I don't have to wonder if this is one of the the magical issues they decided to actually release. But, okay, so. Going back to Jason's earlier question about is it going to piss off the current fans and will it get new fans in the digital gambit? The uh, yes and yes. I, I would actually say no and no. <laughs> the, and the okay, reason- wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, I, I don't. I don't want to derail you. I'm just saying that. Did you actually say that there is something that will not piss off entrenched comic book fans? Because that's that means that there's a new. They're also rebooting all the comic fans. We are, we are a legion of people <laughs> genetically right. programmed to be pissed off about. But, saying- but that's what, actually that's my point about the no. Is yeah, everybody's going to be all internet mad about it and, and complain. And, buying them. and they're just going to go buy. buy them and then buy them again and then buy them again. Right. And I hate this. Here's my. Anyways, comic book fans are like so, Apple fans, where they may complain about some specific facet, but they're never going to walk away from the product. Right. Or at and, least it, it's gonna, it takes a lot more than that for them yeah. to walk away. And, and the digital market is too um, immature, I think, really, to catch on with new fans. It's too expensive, and it's too – it's like where the music industry was – early on. It's all proprietary formats. It's more renting comics than buying them because you can't switch them from one app to another app. There's confusion in the marketplace about apps and formats, and it's kind of ridiculous. And until oh. that's cleared up where you can actually buy you know, an MP3 of a comic and you can take it and put it into your iTunes or take it and put it into another music collection and move it around and back it up and store it, 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 I don't think it's going to take off because anybody who knows anything about digital isn't going to buy into that system. I don't know. Ebooks but, uh, have done pretty well, and Amazon yeah. Kindle books can't go anywhere but on uh, on Kindle app or Kindle. It's, it's multiple remember, devices, but it's not an MP3. I remember that the iTunes store didn't exist before you had to have an iTunes store, and that had all those problems where you had uh, nothing but DRM content. You could only play it in iTunes or on Apple devices. You have, you, have to have, you have to have that first success before everybody else is going to start jumping in the pool. But, but in iTunes, you could take your CDs and rip them into iTunes. You can't take comics you may already have because, say, you bought that Marvel DVD way back when that was just full of PDFs of all of their Mm -hmm. comics. You can't take that and put it in any of these comic readers. Right, right. So let's take a step back from from the comic industry Um, because it is interesting that this is a creative gambit that is, of course, tied to a very specific kind of economic gambit. And And the marketing is a part of it and the digital thing being announced simultaneously is a part of it. Um, they're telling a story here, but they're also telling stories here. So mm-hmm. I'm curious from you guys who have spent far more in this world than I have, um, 
you know, what do you know about about what they're planning? Uh, do we know creatively what they're doing to these characters? I, I know they've been rolling out new titles, and I saw that like Paul Cornell's got a medieval superhero title coming the, out. Jack Kirby's the demon yeah, character, bringing him back, which is which is which is fun. Uh, so, I, and I know they're mixing up the 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 creative teams on these on these books, but I'm just curious about what has struck you creatively about what they're doing, economics aside and marketing aside and and just, you know, hype aside, um, you know, are they doing interesting things that, that, are, that are encouraging? I mean, I loved Ultimate Spider-Man when it came out because I thought it was a great thing to revisit that character from square one. So DC's saying we're doing that with our whole universe. Right. The younger, prettier, more high school-y universe is essentially because everybody's going to be younger versions of the yeah. characters. And instead of well, that... Is... Well, I'll be interested to see how they write them because the average age... Um, another blogger went through and took a look at the writers and the average age of the the writers on the new DC titles is somewhere between 47 and 51. But so, none of those writers ever grew up. Come on. Yeah. And and to be, to, to be fair, if you're that age, you may well have teenagers in the house. So you're pretty tapped into both the emotional state and how they're talking, um, much more than somebody who, who doesn't have have kids yeah. um andy go ahead i was just gonna say gail simone did a nice interview on newsarama recently yeah. uh that uh, th- there's there's still so much about this this restart that they they can't talk about yeah. but she the the point that she was making is that's not so much making the characters younger so much as uh visiting them at a point where they weren't quite so experienced uh she was talking about uh, barbara gordon for instance and the problem where uh, now there's there's this uh, there's enough infrastructure in the existing DC universe that if Batman wants to know uh, has has there ever been a tree with more than three leaves on it shipped from the port of Gotham to any destination that has more than four buildings that have more than thirty one stories and an ice cream parlor and he simply contacts Oracle and Oracle says oh there's only one and here's the address and then he you know taps an address and now he's he's there uh, that part of the problem at least the way that Gail Simone was explaining is that uh, it's part Part of a move to do a story where now Batman really has to work to figure out these things, where it's 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 no longer the he, he's no longer doing a castle walkthrough like like in a video game. He's simply having to figure things out. He doesn't have all those resources and all that experience. It's not just a a we're going to make everybody young and pretty necessarily, although they may also do that. But to to some of the characters, but I, I do see the point that it's also the unencumbrance of the continuity of saying not only do, yeah. do they not have the complex backstories but um, we we don't have to say well we established recently that this person had this capabilities you can sort of depower people a little bit put more things in their way you know I tell tell some stories I, I they painted themselves in a corner in many ways just by telling all those stories over all those years to right? jump to Andy's point there is a really sophisticated infrastructure in place in this universe right now um, and Gail Simone's actually played with it um, in Birds of Prey before the most recent reboot before she left that title to go <laughs> write Wonder Woman and, and see what I mean about the continuity getting in the way yeah. but yeah, in Birds of Prey I want to say probably back in 2007-2008 there was a plot line where somebody tries to take down Oracle and at the end of it all Oracle has to do is pick up the phone and something like 13 former operatives come rushing to her rescue and although Part of the point to that story was Oracle's got this network of people who like her. Hurrah! What it also points out is there was almost nothing you could do to that character at that point anymore because she had she had a computer system in place, she had social networking and social networks in place, she had experience in place, and all of these senior senior quote 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 level superheroes have that. Where you know, oh, I have an underseas kingdom that I have in the palm of my hook. Oh, I have. Um, 
oracle who can sell me information when I need it. Oh, I have this 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 raft of friends who will run to the rescue when I need it. It's there, 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 there was no space for people who were starting out. Right. Everybody's got too much history with each other, too much personal history. You can't say – even if you took somebody who was – you know, 30 in the comics, you, you could have them still be 30, but have them be 30 and not have experienced anything and only now becoming who, you know, who they're, they're going to be. Sounds, sounds good. Again, I'm just wondering, are, are, there, well, are they doing some specific things here or is it all just kind of a hazy, you know, trust us, it'll be li- different but the same. But <laughs> I think they're going somewhere with it. You know, where do you think they're going? I, I do think that this is this is. I keep coming. I keep thinking about that line from The Godfather where Clemenza is talking about the upcoming five family sports. As this, it's good. This, these 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 kind of things that got to happen every ten years gets rid of all the bad blood. Uh, and I'd actually much rather it. It really is a case of let's have a streamlined continuity where we no have to we no longer have to worry that oh well didn't. Doesn't Catwoman have a secret child from four years ago? Uh, or do, does it, Why doesn't anybody talk about the fact that the Peter Parker we now know actually crawled out of the desiccated husk of the body of Peter Parker as a half-formed spider thing? Well, how come nobody talks about that anymore? I, I, I do think that every 10 years almost, there needs to be a moment where we're saying, well, it's just a comic book, everybody. We can just simply say we're going to start all over again. We're going to do it in a very tidy way, but we're going to say that the, the, the alternative is to do things like what uh, Mark Marvel did with One More Day to get rid of the, the Spider-Man marriage where you're really going to do a four-issue limited series when you could just as simply have page one of the next issue of Spider-Man being, hi, Tom Brevoort here, the creative director of Marvel. We've just decided that we don't want them to be married anymore. Just keep that in mind and go. I'm glad you brought that up because one of the complaints about One More Day is why would you ask for Aunt May to be brought back from the dead when the, the – but there's Gwen Stacy, there's Uncle Ben. These things never, never change. Yeah. And, and one of the things that DC's she's very act- old, and she's almost died or died many times <laughs> before. Right. But one of the things that DC is actually doing that I find interesting, even though it's a little controversial, is they're giving Barbara Gordon back the ability to walk. Um, yeah. You know, she's going to be running around as Batgirl now, because as they said, it did, it doesn't make sense in the DC universe to have a to have a paraplegic um, when you've got all sorts of crazy, you know alien technologies and supernatural stuff going on. Just toss her in a Lazarus pit. You got it. Yeah. yeah. Like, wh- why, why stick in a wheelchair when, you know, you're pals with Batman and you have the world at your disposal? And so I do like that they're just saying, all right, you know what? Oracle had a good run. Boom. We're going back to classic Batgirl now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, uh, you know, I, I kind of applaud the gutsiness of that decision. I mean, I, I, I'll grieve for the for the dissolving of the, the Birds of Prey team because I really love the Oracle, Bat, uh, Oracle Black Canary Huntress uh, trilogy but i think it's great that they're doing this if they do it like ultimate marvel one of the options that they have is to remix things and do things like create an oracle who isn't the oracle you know that's just stupid well actually what's what's the point i hope they go that (laughs) that route because one of the interesting things when they went from the golden age to the silver age was they just took the names Mm -hmm. And created new Let's characters, a new Green Lantern, sure, around those names, and I, I think there's some interesting. Which is why you've got if they're good written flashes. stories, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it could the, be the whole. Sorry. The, oh no, I'm sorry. I complete your point. I was about to interrupt. I just think that, I think that that could be really interesting. And the Ultimate Universe, one of the things, and, and the Marvel's Ultimate Universe that was so brilliant about that is Jameis, uh, Bill Jameis, who was in charge of Marvel at the time and uh, really architected that or, or pushed it. His whole point was uh, there should be no continuity 
even in the ultimate universe. Right. You should mm-hmm. just be free from it. Free from it completely. And he yeah. strived at first to keep writers from putting in any continuity into it. So right. what characters happened, are archetypes yeah. and then they have adventures and that's it. Right. Yeah. And that, that's not going to be possible. You really can't. You, I think one of the great things about uh, comics is that you see this overlaying, overlaying, overlaying tapestry of these history's characters. And time moving forward tends to inform both the editors, the writers, and the readers what parts of this history are important enough that we're going to consider that important and what parts, like you know, Peter Parker climbing out of the desiccated husk of his former corpse, are we going to simply pretend not happen? So there's, there's definitely a happy medium to be done. And, but, but that means uh, you need a brush fire every 10 years to clear away the continuity, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. But, but, get, but getting back to Batgirl, the, the, the thing that really puts, uh, puts it all into perspective is that uh, I've, I, I love Oracle. And I love the Birds, Birds of Prey book, and I, I love the I love that that version of Barbara Gordon, where uh, Batgirl never interested me at all. The idea of okay, hey, look, it's Lady Batwoman. She's in heels, and she has an action purse, and yes, she's an ass kicker. But look at look at that flowing red hair, huh, guys? And it just it just never really clicked with me. And so I didn't. That was a time. And so when I started getting back into DC, and I found this character Oracle, that, that that's that, that's the version of Barbara Gordon that I really really liked and really clicked with, and it. And although I'm disappointed that that version is going away, I have to remember that there was a time when someone said, we're going to essentially, in a a non-dramatic way, we're going to reboot Batgirl. She's no longer action girl in a cape and a cowl. She's now confined to a wheelchair and has to use her her zodectic memory and her her, her information skills to do stuff. So if it wasn't for the fact that someone decided to simply do a complete 180 on this character, I would never have found this version that I really, really like. So I have to think that there's going to be a whole bunch of characters in the DC universe that I'm no longer going to be terribly interested in, but maybe they're going to they're going to have a new version of Green Lantern that I actually do get, uh, and maybe a new version of all these other characters, the Justice League, which never really clicked with me as a book. Maybe now I'll actually like it. So you got to you got to take the good with the bad. Well, and it remains to be seen whether they've got a plan to do. Presumably, they've got some ground rules, right? Are they going to do what Marvel <laughs> did, which is say we're going to rethink some characters, and but but we're also going to retell stories we already told, right? I mean, Ultimate Spider-Man retells basically a lot of the classic story points of of amazing spider-man so you know on one level that's fun but on another level it's rehashing the past so they could choose to say well you know after a few years we're going to do something to her and she's going to be oracle or they could say forget it no do tell your own stories go in a new direction so in, in a lot of ways it's just like a remake of a good movie yeah well, one of the problems well, I ultimate, think that ultimate, ultimate Spider-Man took yeah. 25, 30 years of Amazing Spider-Man and Spectacular Spider-Man, the whole Spider-Man mythos, and said, okay, out of that, what are what could we build, um, you know, seven four-issue story arcs out of, and and you've got thirty years to to play with, and as a result, that's a you know, and a good writing, but it's a it's a good book because of that. Um, you know, but at the same time, there for about the first sixty issues, there was really nothing original <laughs> other than the rethinking of it. And I love it. I love that book dearly, and I love that it's modern and it's expanded out and it plays like Buffy the Vampire Slayer with Spider Man. But it's not going over any new ground. It's all the classic ground. It's mm-hmm. more of a nostalgia trip or a f- like like a movie remake. But it, it, it is a really well written story, which I think is yes, I, an old story written in a new yeah. sense. Fundamentally, I mean. As much as I enjoy some characters, I'll be honest, I enjoy, I enjoy the writers more. Uh, when Gail Simone left Birds of Prey, so did I because I read one or two of the new issues and I didn't like where the characters were going and I didn't think the writing was the same. So 
I what, left because of the story, not because of the And think of the opportunity of saying, um, you know, we we can explore the Batman-Superman relationship afresh without mm-hmm. any of that. We could talk about Batman getting a young ward and having them become Robin, uh, you know, and Jason rolls his eyes at that. Yeah, maybe. But you could, you could choose to do it. And if you had a good writer who had a good take on that, yeah. that could be really interesting. And it does – I would like to see yeah. them introduce new characters because I think that's actually been problematic in both Marvel and DC – There have been so few characters introduced in the last, I would say, what, 15, 20 years who have stuck. Um, Isn't that mostly because of the rise of indie comics and that creators don't want to create new intellectual property for their studios? It's a healthy disincentive. But I'm thinking, for example, um, there's been a real push behind Renee Montoya, uh, especially as The Question. The Question. And And she's never gained any traction. And I think... Part of this may be because it's it's it, it might be a cousin Oliver thing, um, but par- <laughs> but part of it is also when you've got all of these characters that you've had for years and years and years, you're like, oh great, here's another one who may stick or may not stick. Um, Though you can reboot characters without rebooting the archetypes, right? Yeah. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I like the Blue Beetle comic. I thought yeah. that was really good. Jason recommended that to me. And the oh, whole yeah. Jaime Reyes thing mm-hmm. where it's like mm-hmm. we're going to set it in, in Texas and he's going to be Hispanic and he's going to, yeah. you know, he's not going to be, he's going to be like on the outside and totally, um, you know, shocked when he's interacting with other superheroes because he's just I, a I kid. Really, yeah. And and it, so it's still it's, Blue it really, Beetle. It really, it's just it really not. Is, yeah. It's really the DC version of Spider-Man. I really think oh, yeah. that the Blue, the Blue Beetle is everything about Spider-Man that I miss with Marvel. Yeah. yeah. No, well, actually, it, I'm yeah. reading uh, Blue Beetle. Ultimate Spider-Man and Invincible, right? I'm reading the same comic three, <laughs> three times, times right. yeah. but they're all good. Yeah, although um, – and here I go actually tidally undercutting my point. One of my favorite books <laughs> – one of my favorite books that's getting canceled by DC is Secret Six, which is another Gail Simone property. Gail Simone, yep. And um, – Isn't it now The Secret Seven? Is that the name of the new series <laughs> It's a new out? series. It's a completely different composition. Right. Um, but basically they're wrapping up Secret Six with issue 36 and – that was a tremendously successful series, and it had a number of original characters that Gail Simone created. It wasn't just, oh, I've dug these people out of the archives from the Silver Age. She came up with Scandal Savage, daughter of Vandal Savage. I know. And uh, <laughs> and Jeanette the Banshee, who's a genuinely cool and disturbing figure, and Peter Miracle, who's the rag doll. And they're, they're, they're very vivid characters. So is there going to be a bloodbath at the end of the DC Universe here before they reboot? Are they, are they, are they like tactically just going to murder oh, like they people did with horribly? Ulti- with the Ultimate right. Universe where they drowned people and had them eaten? In the, no, I'm just thinking series. if the continuity ends <laughs> until the next infinite, super yeah. infinite crisis where they bring it back again. Oh, um Sorry, I had to say it. That you know, they could do like dramatic. Uh, Superman dies for real. And so then... they're doing a, a series now called Flashpoint, which is supposed to be what's leading into this um, reboot in the fall. And I read the first two well, issues of it. Uh, so explain this week. explain this to me. You said leading into the reboot. Does that mean they're closing the door on the old thing or are they doing some sort of like in-universe explanation for well, why this, this is happening? Because that would be bad. Essentially, Flash has, has woken up in this alternate universe where uh, Bruce Wayne's parents didn't get killed. Bruce Wayne and his mom got killed. So now Batman is Thomas Wayne. And so they're setting up some of these new universe – uh, titles now in it because Shade, the Changing Man, is there in leading the Secret Seven kind of thing in this universe where uh, Wonder Woman and Aquaman or the Amazons and the uh, Atlanteans are fighting over Europe and it's like so, a big war. So this is supposed to be where they're going to set the rest of this stuff or I, not? I think there's this crazy pocket thing they've set here and uh, my guess is at the end of it that goes away but the original thing doesn't come back. It's now this new version of the original thing. 
So it's in that uh, Farscape, that really interesting sci-fi TV show oh, yeah. a while back. With puppets. They, right, with puppets. They had that thing where they went back in time and they actually changed these events by accident. And they went back to try and fix them and oh, they just made them worse. We've talked about that episode on a previous uh, yeah, yeah. podcast. Yeah. I think they may try to do that where things are different and the characters are going to try and make them back to the same. And what they end up doing is making this new universe, which is kind of the same, but oh, I not. Really, so I really hope Thomas Wayne doesn't do a noble self-sacrifice that, type of that's, thing. So, that's right. so basically the Flash is like Mr. Spock in the Star Trek reboot. Yeah, but he's he so he's in this place. He's got no powers, and he just tried to recreate the experiment and dose himself in chemicals and electrocute himself to get his speed power back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last panel on issue two again. Spoiler alert! Leaves him as this charred, burnt mess because <laughs> he just doused himself in chemicals and had a lightning bolt hit him. Oh no! So, <laughs> Right. So that was kind of fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's The Flash, everybody. Join us next week for uh, Green Lantern Point. Right. Uh Uh-oh, not the way he planned it. (laughs) (laughs) Next, we've got four astronauts ascending in a spaceship with insufficient shielding. Let's see what happens. We've got flight video. Superhero bloopers and practical It has been a little bit more amusing than um, probably what they were going for, which makes me nervous about the entire... Reboot. I don't think this series, Flashpoint, has been written very well so far. At least it hasn't resonated with me. So it sounds like what they're trying to do is create sort of an in-universe explanation for why you won't see it anymore. Right. But, you know, I, what, what makes me wary is that by not having if – you, if you have the new universe be created in, in the roots of story from the previous universe, it's like, you know, you're just, you're just asking for it. Well, you're I just think maybe they're going back. for – again, this is my opinion because it didn't resonate with me – is this – little thing they've created with Flashpoint is so terrible mm-hmm. that anything they replace it with is going to be better. You're like, oh my god, I love this so much more than that piece of crap Flashpoint. So out of curiosity, with the Atlanteans fighting the Amazonians, is Aquaman any cooler or competent? <laughs> or, I mean, is well, I've, this... You've only seen him in a couple of panels. Emperor Aquaman, I believe he was, and uh, he had orange pants as well as a reddish-orange top, uh, and he was mean. Emperor, see now again, Emperor Aquaman. Yeah, see, the, That's I, like I saying to, President Leader Guy. Right. Yes. I know. If, the, if, that, if that name is on the top of the uh, top of the resume, he's not getting an interview. At least no. If I'm, I, I, think it, it, new, uh, I think that's Aquaman. my new. I think that's my new online pseudonym is Emperor Aquaman. <laughs> right. And so he's he's flooded most of he's Europe to pull it underwater. And he's so, a water guy. And uh, I don't know. I'm it's, now trying to remember the name of the. Um, science fiction fantasy book I read where um, the leaders of Europe did actually have to negotiate with mermaids for rights to water passages during Elizabethan times. And Two-thirds of the Earth's surface is covered with water. Why would he need to flood Europe? Because he wants the cathedrals? Because he, he's, he, it's not he the good to, third. He he's wants, looking for the good third. He wants to make the land dwellers nervous and remind them who's in charge. I mean, He if, wants if, to live on a mountaintop and he just can't do that in the ocean. There's no, mountains in the I'm ocean. telling you, and it's going to drive me crazy until I remember the name and the author of the book. But basically, in this in this science fiction book I read, the mermaids quickly realized that they basically controlled all of the waterways in the world. And if the land dwellers wanted to get anything done, they were going to have to go through the mermaids. And so the mermaids base Mermaids. Yeah. They, they started in Venice and then moved out and were like, all right, if you people want to ever leave your countries again, you're, you're going to have to... Give right. us what we want whenever we want it. And a lot of the fighting's over Great Britain, which is, you know, it's an island. So, so let me ask you, mermaids aside, um, has do these work? Do these reboots work? Is this is this a is this a if the story, a good idea? Is it okay if we view it as a temporary fix and it, accept that I, it's not? It comes down to last? if the stories are good, it stays. If the stories aren't good, 
they'll pretty quickly fade back. Like the one year later they did a couple years ago yeah. now where the oh. entire universe jumped forward one year and it was like See, starting over DC all again. See, that's kind of lost me because I had been buying a whole lot of titles before that and then they started in with, oh, and now we're going to fix everything. And I thought, I'm going to fix yeah. myself back well, to that's, Marvel. That, that, that's why I've, I haven't been following Flashpoint either. Uh, both of these big companies, as soon as I see some sort of custom logo on the oh. top of more than three comics at a time, I'm not, I'm not judging it. I'm just simply saying that as a consumer, I'm making the decision that I'm probably not going to enjoy reading this. Yeah, I've been reading the Ultimate Spider-Man arc that's the death of Spider-Man, which has got logos attached to it everywhere. And first off, it's either a cheat or you've telegraphed your whole story. So you failed either way <laughs> with it. Well, death of a spider. And of course, yes, that, that – well, they already killed him once and he didn't die. And now they're going to yeah. kill him, so, him again. And I assume, again, he won't actually die. They'll just have a different Spider-Man and then he'll come back later or yeah, something. And that's, and, that's, why, that's, why, that's why it's so funny that people are making such a big deal out of it because you, you, you can either do the, the actual number one renumber everything reboot or you can do the status quo, which is the nonstop rolling reboots where <laughs> right. there's cotton, there are things that happen. But two years later, either it has been explicitly undone where you know i think with marvel boy uh, did they have guts and by guts i'm used I'm, I'm replacing that for the word that they should i should be really be using <laughs> where they said nope captain america's real dead really dead you see here's the body he's an old man it's all desiccated and look we're burying the look at all the stuff we're showing you how can we be showing you the stuff if we weren't really dead and of course meanwhile there's a whiteboard somewhere at marvel saying okay Bucky. now here's why he wasn't and really uh, here, time here, travel here, yeah, it's like here's the here's the date and the issue in which we're bringing him back, or 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 once again you do the selective. Let's just forget the J. Marcus Rosinski's run on Spider Man ever happened. The thing I really hate about the rolling reboots is they always give you an opportunity later when they decide that some character needs to be broken out or promoted. Then they get their little five issue miniseries where they like <laughs> spend six or seven panels just bemoaning all of the different continuity glitches they've had to experience in the last 20 years. Yeah, where, I, I would actually oh, prefer like a series of like miniseries and, and other series that are, are exist all on their own in their own continuity and have they throw yeah. the other characters yeah. in but they're not actually tied like it used to be back that's, in the yeah. in the old days. Right. That's 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 one of the things I always loved about DC. They weren't afraid to say if if they had an opportunity to have Matt Wagner do a Batman Grendel crossover, they didn't spend a lot of time worrying about well, but where does this appear in continuity? <laughs> does this happen pre-killing joke right. or after killing yeah. joke? They just said, "No, we'll just do it. let's do a forest series." Oh wait, Matt says he really wants to have it happen in in, in Weimar Germany. Okay. We'll slap an Elseworlds logo on it. We can have it happen. Who cares? It's, it's a, a good comic story. Book. Just, yeah. tell, just tell well, good I stories. Think, exactly. Yeah, and like that Captain America story you brought up, which I remember uh, ridiculing when they first announced it, uh, ended up being actually a, a good pretty story. good story that lasted for like two and a half years. And Brubaker's a good writer. And so, and the Bucky the Bucky Winter Soldier stuff I thought was an interesting kind of almost a redemption kind of arc. It was yeah. it was a good story. It wasn't just a publicity yeah. stunt, right? Which is right. what well, we asked at the is, beginning: is it can be both? It can be both, or it can be one. And I, I think it'll go down <laughs> as I, I I've been reading comics for a long time now, but my habits have changed over the years from like buying every issue of my favorite titles and being a fan of X to I'm kind of a fan of the medium yeah. now and. I will read the good story arc here and then not read that title again because, you know, they go from good story arcs to crap. Uh, and I'll get the hardcovers or trade paperbacks of those good story arcs. And to me, that's now the character, not all of that stuff that happens in between good story arcs that get put in those 
trade paperbacks that are there year after year after year after year. Right. With with the added continuity house cleaning that has to happen in order to ex- to right. explain things instead of just telling stories. In a lot would, of ways, I'm not even aware of that anymore. Would we be better off? Uh, would and would the comics industry be better off if uh, Marvel or DC said, "Here's what we're going to do. Every four years, we're gonna we're gonna reboot." Right. Just say it. Just say we're going to do like TV seasons. We're going to do four years and they're going to be natural endpoints and then we're going to tell more stories. Or would they be better off doing what they're – because is there a solution to the rolling reboot? No. I've always always thought that the the whole idea of having 600 issues of a series is just so 1944. Well, it's a soap opera, right, at that point. It's just a don't need. I think that they should simply say, we all know who the Fantastic Four are. We know who Superman is. You don't have to start uh, a new series with a one-page recap of the origin. Just simply say, we've got a story about the Fantastic Four that will take up 12 issues. And so we're just going to have this story that that starts with issue number one, ends with issue number 12. And you know what? We can have four different Fantastic Four stories. Stories going at the same time. I mean, it seems like we're treating continuity actually, like a liability here, though. But it, it, in some ways, continuity yeah. for the buying habits of the the world today is, is a liability. liability. Yeah. It's also what's kept fans coming back for so yeah. long because there's that soap opera quality, and you get invested in the lives. Yeah. Yeah. But the idea of a good story is a good story. Like Batman by Ga- uh, was it Gotham by Gaslight, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. the later. It was an Elseworld before they came up with the term Elseworlds. Mm-hmm. It was just a good story of. Uh, Batman vs. Jack the Ripper, Victorian oh, see, I would London, totally read that. Yeah. drawn by Mike Mignola. It was <sighs> yeah. beautiful and amazing. And you know who cares? Who cares where it ties into anything? It's just standalone story, really yeah. good. Well, Neil Gaiman did that. Um, the whatever happened to the Cape Crusader? Man, that was the follow-up to the sort of the whatever Elmore happened to the Superman, Man of Steel. Yeah. right? And it was. It was literally outside of all continuity because it was sort of various Batman throughout time who had died in different continuities and they had all come together. And it was – yes, it was meta. It was a story about the stories. Mm -hmm. But it was a great story. Just like Neil Gaiman's um, 1602 Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. a great story and it was was aggressively not set in continuity. But it didn't matter. Well, actually they gave a nod to continuity at the end because they're like, oh, and it's in a bottle universe. We'll save this bottle so it doesn't (laughs) screw with reality. Right, right. But it was – but as a story, it was just, you know, who cares why it is the way it is. And, and, you know, I think maybe that's what DC was trying with those Mm – with the, the Straczynski Superman book was sort of say, can we just tell stories and not worry about universe building? I think, though, so much of their business is based on having this interwoven series of titles that they can interrelate and create events on. That you know, may, But maybe this is the progression of the comic industry, that at some point we're going to come out of this with a very different mechanism for publishing stories that doesn't involve this kind of level of right. a web of continuity. Does it, does it go from that serialized monthly pamphlet to every couple of months you get a much bigger sort of novel that has a beginning, middle, and end of some comic story? And it's all by itself, like a movie. So, Andy, what is there still an appeal to the kind of um, interrelated web of uh, a comic book universe with characters crossing over and things like that, or or is it something that is kind of past its past its prime? I think that. Uh, y- y- there's nothing inherently wrong with it. It just has to be done very, very well. It's it's superb when you're doing this. If you're if you're writing a story and just from the writer's point of view, and you just need something to happen, and it's not really important that this character, uh, you're not telling the story of how did this character happen to get passage between planet Earth and this other planet that he's just hypo- hypothesized exists. You really just want to get to this other planet so you can move the story forward. That's the same reason why Gene Roddenberry invented the transporter because he just want to simply. Say 
say, and now they jump into the transporter and boom, they're on the planet's surface and now we continue the story. When you have a shared universe, you can simply say, let me call Reed Richards, let me see if he'll lend me a shuttlecraft so I can actually try to look at this. And then panel number two, you're into the story. So that's the sort of place where these sort of shared universes can be done really well. Also, we've all we've all been in situations where we thought, well, gee, how come, what what kind of a story would you have if if uh, Jeeves, the, uh, the valet from PG Woodhouse stories, uh, teamed up with Batman? He, the, it, now, instead of being instead of being Alfred, it's actually Jeeves or Jeeves and uh, or uh, Batman has to so- Batman has to solve a mystery of a murder that happens at Blanding's castle. Uh, all these characters, you, you, it's it's not that you want to do the stupid fandom mashup of okay, so if Superman fought Captain America, now let's say that Wonder Woman can lend his lasso. But if if, if you actually start thinking, of, these are two interesting characters uh, who, that really play off of each other. I, I thought that well. Uh, when you leverage that really, really effectively, you can wind up with something like the Trinity that DC wound up with when they uh, when they decided to simply treat Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman as the hub of their entire universe, where these are the guys, these are the Mount Rushmore of their universe, where when Wonder Woman gets involved, things get real. And when you have Batman <laughs> talking to Superman... Yeah, seriously. When, when, you get, when you get because Wonder Woman, is, Wonder Woman is Wonder Woman is the person who's not going to talk you yeah. out of it. She might even she might even say, "I'm giving you an opportunity to I, I forgive you for all the sins you that you've transgressed in the past two years. Come, let us sit together. Let's break bread. And then if you don't do that, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to have to twist your head 270 degrees from the front of your body, and you will simply be dead because unfortunately, that's the only solution to the problem. Good night." It is fun to play and, and to have good writers play in those kind of universes. It's just got this huge downside, which is over time, you accumulate mm-hmm. continuity and you got to blow it out. You got to declutter. And, and you <laughs> can either do what DC has done in the past, which I really am an opponent of, which is the we're going to create a multiverse crisis oh, arc where we're going to tell whole sense. stories that are about continuity. Or yeah. full credit to them, you can just say, you know what, we're, we're going to just reboot now. And and we're just not we're that's it. Yeah. We're not going to explain. Well, except there's Flashpoint apparently. Uh, we're just going to do it, and we're going to draw a line, and we'll do that for a while until it clutters up again, and we'll figure out what to do then. Um, you know, maybe everybody should do that. Maybe Marvel should uh, should do that too. Although I guess Marvel did, and it just they just couldn't get rid yeah. of the old thing. Part of the problem well, is the old thing now is a lot of ways is. The, the old thing universe. is a lot – well, they did. They gradually kind of pushed the, the current Marvel to be so well, much like Ultimate that it doesn't really matter. Well, didn't we talk right. about how one of the problems in the Ultimate Universe was after a while Ultimate X-Men had writers that were really big on introducing stuff from continuity? Um, That's always been the problem and I think the DC is going to face that too. I mean, is, do we retell like, old stories or not? As much as I like Robert Kirkman, I really didn't like his run on Ultimate X-Men because he was responsible for bringing back in some of the, some of the, the continuity elements, especially from – they did the Days of Future Past remake yeah. thing, and and, yeah. and, and, yeah. and it was a disaster. Great stories. Yeah. The original, anyway. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think part of the problem is you do have writers who uh, cherish continuity because they, they do admire the clever storytelling twists or the way people write themselves sure. in and out of corners. Um, this is actually one of my problems with um, Kingdom Come is I think, it kinda, yeah. I think it's kind of a gateway drug to continuity overdose. Cut. Continuity porn. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. yeah, you, you, you're, you're very – as a writer, I'm sure this person's very, very proud. But I have to – if I'm in an elevator with them at a Comic-Con and I've got two minutes to say something to them, I have to say, you know what? Actually, I've never wondered about what was going through the mind of that guy in the cover of Action Comics when he was pointing at Superman <laughs> lifting up the car. <laughs> That's really never occurred to me. I'm actually more interested in the guy in the cape who's lifting up the car. Although, again, 10 bucks to you for, for creative thinking. I'm just not interested mm-hmm. in that. 
I think you've just Although managed that, that, to conflate does... Marvels with because uh, <laughs> that was the whole point yeah. to Marvels. Yeah. Was, wow, yeah. look at that. Whereas the whole point to yeah. Kingdom Come was, hey, you know the approximately one million DC characters we have. What if they all fight each other and it takes Superman waiting in to, to, to tell them to knock it off? See, but I don't understand any of your DC continuity. It, it mm. scares me and frightens me, and I run away. And I liked Kingdom Come, yeah. so I guess I was looking at it on that top level. Of like, what if, really ma- what if we just what if we just mythologize it all and make it about the Trinity, basically? Look, and we and, and and it's got an ending. Look, Kingdom Come is a, a good diner. story, but at the same time, <laughs> Kingdom Come also has you can print out like somewhere close to forty pages of yeah. annotations. That, I've seen that. It, I think I had them in a binder at one point, and and the whole <laughs> and, and and my thing is, is a lot of people what they took away from Kingdom Come was not, hey, this is a great story, but rather people all really love it when they know the in joke. That's that's what happened to the Newsboy Legion. Look in the back. Of the bar, you see that see that guy with a weird bow tie. That's actually oh, when they had Zan and when they had Zan and Jana as the waiters in the in the in the dive bar for superheroes. You're supposed to be like, oh, right, it's the Wonder Twins. But see, that's. I like it when stories can work on several levels. Like, mm-hmm. If you had no idea who any of those characters are, you could still read it. And there's a yeah, great yeah, story. Which I did. Mm-hmm. And if you do know, then there's all these in-jokes. And, yeah. and The you problem can is when and... it becomes about the continuity that's, and not that's about where, the yeah. storytelling. Is, is right? when, you're, when you're good at the storytelling, you can do anything. When you're not very good at the storytelling, you're like, but look at me. I have a grasp of continuity. Cough, cough, Which Kevin brings Smith, us cough, back cough. around to <laughs> one of the original questions, which is, is this a stunt? Is it, you know, is it a good idea? Is it going to work? Um, I, and, I, and it I, sounds I, like what we're saying is, look, it's going to stand or fall based on the stories they tell. Yeah, yeah but I, I keep coming back to the idea that it is really a Tetris. It is you drop, they drop this one block, they solve a lot of problems. <laughs> one problem, one one problem being is that they're facing a lot of problems with intellectual property. Remember that they lost uh, the, oh, the, yeah. the latest appeal to retain all the rights to Superman, uh, in which the, essentially the rights to Superman are now split. Everything that Siegel and Schuster brought to DC that that they'd already created belongs to the estate. Everything that uh, that uh, DC Comics added later on, which is ninety eight percent of the of, of the game, mm-hmm. uh, belongs to them. Realize that this is an opportunity for them to go through every every character they have that's more than forty or fifty years old and say, let's make sure that in this u- new universe, our ownership of these characters. Is Airtight, yeah. and so the, you can better believe that that the uh, uh, that anything that in, that's in the new Superman is not going to have any relationship to the proposal that was brought to them uh, all those years ago. Well, my uh, understanding I, I, is I, it's actually, additive that that they own the rights to this simplistic the, the Siegel and Schuster estates own the rights to some sort of simplistic Superman that was in the first issue of Superman who couldn't fly, and so they could t- they could do a Superman, but it would be that costume and that limited set because then DC owns the the guy who can fly and the the different designs of the different suits and all that but it is an interesting point i would not i would not um put it past them that they've got you know a team of lawyers said here's what we're going to do with this reboot but i was talking i was talking to someone last yesterday at at my local comic shop believe it or not now is this the local one my far one one is still my local shop the the one the one that's nearby that's geographically nearby it is it is dead to me it is an it, it, it is an arson fire uh, yeah, no, seriously, I, I do. I do still drive like all the way to that store twice a month because mm-hmm. that's the place I'd rush right by. And what did that person say? Well, uh, they, they they actually had some of the details of the case where they're saying that uh, whatever DC has to do to make sure that they're not infringing on uh, on the Seagulls uh, the, the estate's copyrights, they have to do it sometime in the next year. So his idea was that this gave them an this will give DC an I, uh, an opportunity to have. To, to put new Coke on the market for six or seven or eight months, see if that takes off. And if that, and if they, when they look at 
where they are in six months, they decide that, you know what, everybody has accepted this new version of Superman. We don't have to strike any sort of new agreement with uh, with the estate. We can simply say, take your take the five words <laughs> that that uh, that you're suing us over and keep them because we've built a brand new Superman that doesn't we don't we're not going to pay you a dollar for anything anymore. Except that argument breaks down when you look at the entire backlog which is still on sale. Like the all of the Superman trade paperbacks and all of the post this right. change thing. So I don't really buy its motivating factor of the universe shift. Well, they care that it's it's. I don't think that they're suing for a percentage of uh, uh, a percentage of uh, of, the, of the the trade paperback publishing. Remember that most of the stuff that's already in print is now pulp. There's very little that's still in print. They mostly care about what happens when someone when someone wants to give them a million dollars for a Superman Slurpee machine. Do they have to now give a cutback? A, 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 do they have to give a, a half a point or two points of whatever money they make on it to the estate? Well, how, how about a Superman movie that hopefully will make two, three, four, five hundred? thousand dollars do they have to give a couple points to the estate i'll have the lex luther lemon slurpee that'll be (laughs) tasty so um last thing before we go is to gauge i'm just gonna go around the room here and gauge your um level of optimism or pessimism about how this will come off lisa i'm utterly neutral (laughs) utterly neutral that's a dungeons and dragons alignment i hadn't heard before no it's in the middle (laughs) But it's neither it's ni- neither good nor evil. It is utterly neutral. Yeah. So so are you gonna are you gonna buy stuff? Are you gonna try it out? Or are you just kind you know, of like I may, ambivalent? I, I may wander into the store and see what a couple issue issues one look like. But uh, at this point, I don't buy single issue. So I'm gonna wait and see, I'm gonna wait and see. Wait for the buzz about what are the good ones that you should pick up in a trade. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm curious to see how this Batgirl thing shakes out, just because. I was very fond of the Oracle character and Barbara Gordon, and I want to see how Gail Simone, what she keeps from from that character, and and what she does to change it. And I also want to see how this whole expanded Bat Family thing works out, because my understanding from the titles that have come out so far is we're going to have both a Bat Girl and a Bat Woman, and so, a Black Batman. Really? That's you know that's my dream movie, right? <laughs> right. It's it's his name is Bat Wing. Oh. And he's black. Maybe the Black Batman movie will finally come to pass. Don Cheadle's not too old, I don't think. (laughs) Don Cheadle's still available. He is. To be black Batman or Batwing. Oh, my God. So So, you're just mocking me. Although Idris Elba, I think, is a strong strong contender. There is no game that is better than casting imaginary comic book movies based on existing (laughs) actors. Jason, what do you think? Uh, Optimistic? Pessimistic? Going to try it out? I'm I'm optimistic. You know, there's enough there that's gotten my interest, uh, which is the whole what they're going for the the fact that they're bringing in the Wildstorm characters into the dc and there's like a new yeah. Stormwatch title but martian manhunter is a character on Stormwatch. see like, i really look forward to seeing how he's going to work with that crew yeah, because it's, you know, it's just and oh. and for me and they're bringing all the vertical characters into the dc universe which <laughs> uh you know john constantine shade the changing man or they're doing uh, like a dark justice league right, right they're yeah. doing a dark justice league and for since Vertigo had been outside the DC universe for so long, and they told all those kind of stories, it's time to tell the stories now of John Constantine facing off with Superman. You know, yeah. well, why not? We haven't had those stories in a couple of decades. Let's tell them again. Give it a go. Yeah, so, Andy, what do you think? Oddly enough, I don't think that my habits are going to be changed at all because uh, I find that. Uh, Often, I, I'm rarely following specific characters. I'm usually following specific creators. Gail Simone, whose name's been popping up for the 10th time during this conversation, is on that list of, mm-hmm. if her name is on it, I'm buying oh, yeah. it. So uh, so I'm definitely going to be buying the new Batgirl. Uh, maybe I'll like it, maybe I won't. Uh, it's, it's a little bit off-putting, only because 
if I were to make a list of uh, of all the comics that I buy month in month out, there's certainly maybe four or five DC comics on that list, and I just know that when they do this reboot it moves off of the automatic buy list and now moves into the, well, let's pick up and let, let's pick up an issue off the stand and leaf through it. And if I like it as usual, what's going to drive me to a specific book isn't going to be allegiance to a character or even allegiance to a publisher. It's going to be that I was online and, and enough people have talked up this storyline that I want to check it out. And I'll be willing to gamble two ninety nine or enough it. people so, whose, whose tastes and opinions you trust because they, they, they haven't steered you wrong. Yeah, pretty much. So what I'll say is that um, as somebody who has bought a very few DC comics over the years, I'm intrigued by it. Um, I like some of the DC characters. I've always felt totally crushed by the continuity because I don't know it and I don't really want to invest <laughs> the time to know it. But I'm buying a lot of stuff digitally. So um, for me, the digital day and date thing and the fact that they're rebooting without continuity will probably get me to try some stuff, and uh, especially about characters that who intrigue me or who have always interested me, but I didn't want to get into the crushing backstory. So, you know, maybe for somebody like me, um, it'll be a good thing for them. Um, I, I don't know how many people there are like me, but yeah. uh, I think it's worth a, worth a shot. So for me, I'm kind of interested in it. Um, so anyway, uh, I guess we'll have to reconvene at some point and see how it all shook out, and we'll do one of those uh, October, what went wrong probably. kind of podcasts after <laughs> after we see exactly what went went wrong. But until then, I want to thank this uh, this uh, particular edition and formation of the Comic Book Club, Jason Brightman. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Lisa Schmeiser. Lovely as always. Thank you. Always a pleasure. And Andy Anatko, thank you so much for joining us. I hope we can have you back on this podcast uh, at another date to talk about other stuff too. I knew that by not dropping the F-bomb even once, there's a chance you'd invite me back. And I'm glad that paid off. So until next time, <laughs> on The Incomparable Podcast, I am Jason Snell, signing off. Thanks for listening. When you drop the F-bomb, we just fire off the spoiler horn to cover it up, and nobody knows the Ooh. difference. It's... Damn, you should have told me beforehand. Well, this is easier for me to edit. Because when I talk about what they did to Spider-Man in one more day, I gotta tell you, I can badly keep control of my language. Yeah. Me too. Barney Gumble, everybody. <laughs> um, so until... I'm not drunk. That's what you're insinuating. It is later on the East Coast. Good. Nice it's... way to treat a guest, Jason. Yeah. Jeez. No, I'm, I'm the other Jason, not the other Jason. <laughs> Thank you. We gotta keep it straight. I like the other Jason. The other Jason was nice yeah, to me. Yeah, I know. Right. The good, the good that's Jason. always the good Jason. <laughs> <laughs>